Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hello again. Welcome back to the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today we are in the second episode of our five-part series on the paradoxes of school leadership. So last week I introduced you to this concept of paradoxes, why they exist inside of childcare and what the top four paradoxes of leadership are. If you have not yet listened to that episode, please pause here, go back, listen to that first uh, because each of these episodes really builds on the next one. And so I want you to have context to what paradoxes of leadership are um, and how they play themselves out. So go back, listen to that, and then you can jump into here where we're talking about the first paradox of leadership, the paradox of choice. So the paradox of choice is really this fascinating psychological concept that really plagues all of us in our daily lives, right? This isn't something that's unique to childcare. I'm going to explain the uniquenesses in childcare, but the paradox of choice exists in all uh, facets of our life because it really becomes this like bewildering sensation that we experience when we're confronted with abundance of options, right? We're like, whoa, I thought I would want to have all of these choices. And now, you know, this feels like a really arduous task. Like I have to, you know, choose between all of these options, right? Think about, you know, the buffet or the smorg where you're coming there and there's like all of these choices of what to eat. You can't eat everything. Um, You'll get sick. You need to actually make choices about what do I want from this buffet? So the choices becomes the challenging place of where to start. How do we see the paradox of choice inside childcare? Well, let's start with the kids. There's activity choices for children, right? There's so many different choices that they can choose from inside of the classroom. They can choose to play in the block area, in the art center, in the science, in the play, in the daily life. Uh, They could play in some of the outdoor areas. They could play in the sandbox. They could go down the slide. They can play in the swings. They could play in the bikes. They could just walk around with their friends. They could play with the chalk. They could play with the bubbles. Uh, It's endless. There's so many choices. And then you have with staff saying, well, what choices should we put out? Should we put out all the options and let the kids choose? Should we create some constraint and only put out four or five options? That's where you have the paradox of choice when it comes to your staff, where you have two teaching teams, two teachers, excuse me, sitting together 
One teacher says, let's put out all of the options. Another teacher says, no, that's going to create decision paralysis for the kids or they're going to make a giant mess that they can't clean up. Who's right? Is there a right answer? No, it's a paradox of choice. You have to navigate within that, which we're going to talk about in a second. So that's activity choices for children. Now let's go to parents. Let's start with before the parents are even in your school, the paradox of choosing which childcare they should send their kid to. There's so many options, right? They don't even know what half the words mean. What does it mean farm to table? What do you mean when you say nature-based? What does it mean Montessori? What does it mean Reggio inspired? What is play-based? What is, you know, what does it mean that this is a faith-based place? What is, what is, what is the spiritual curriculum here? What does it mean when, you know, the teachers are trained in conscious discipline? I don't know what that means, right? There's so many choices and the parents are like, I don't know what to choose. Then they come into your school and let's take something as simple as parent-teacher communication, which is always like a thorn in people's sides. So you have some parents who are like, give me constant updates. I want to get the emails and the texts and the, you know, website updates and the ping and the other ding and all the things, right? And then another parent's like, no, only send emails or only send text messages or only put it through the, you know, app or only do this. Or like when you send too many stuff, I tune things out, right? Well, who do you listen to? Which parents you listen to? Which group of parents is the right parent about how you should do parent-teacher communication? And then some leaders are like, let's just do all of them. Let's send all the notifications. Yeah, because that's going to help people show up. You can send all the notifications and guess what? You're still going to have a parent who pulls into the wrong carpool line. You can send out all the notifications. You're still going to have a parent who shows up at, I don't know, 6 p.m. when you had early dismissal that day. The delusionment that we create in our minds around, well, if we just gave them more options, then all the parents would read the notifications. Or if we just gave all of these things, then, you know, we wouldn't have issues and parents would actually sign up for, you know, parent-teacher conferences and we wouldn't have to private message people or whatever it is. Stop. Just like, it's so comical when you think that there is like a one choice that gets parents to actually pay attention. No, you're always playing the attention war game. Always. You're always going to play the game of trying to get people's attention. Because guess what? You are not the only thing in the world that the parents need to pay attention to. Some of them have two, three, four, five kids. Some of them have a lot of other responsibilities other than where their child goes to school. Trucking, right? You also have a life that exists. So you have other things that you're paying attention to. So the reason I share this is because we get so caught up with like, how should we communicate with parents? What are all the choices? Instead of recognizing, no, it is paradoxical in nature. There is no perfect choice. Ooh, the perfectionists are listening to this and it feels like nails on the chalkboard. You don't like to hear it. I know it's really disturbing to your like equilibrium. There is no perfect choice. There is no perfect choice. Where else does the paradox of choice show up? So it shows up a lot with your staff and your leadership team. So you have curriculum and program selection choices. So, you know, what curriculum are we going to choose? There's like, I don't know. I don't even know how many curriculums exist on the planet now, right? Every day a new curriculum is popping up. Which one should we choose? Do we make a choice based on price? Do we make a choice based on what's aligned with our values? Do we make a choice on what's in front of us right now? Do we make a choice on what English I understand better, right? There are certain people that do a great job at messaging. And so you understand it better. So you end up choosing that when really it's not a good need for your school. The other program is way better. The other curriculum is way better for you. you they just did a poor job marketing it. Um, there's so many choices, so many choices you can make, right? Professional development opportunities. Do you invest in the teachers? Do you invest in the leadership team? Do you invest in yourself? Uh, Do you invest in all three? 
Do you invest in this type of opportunity? That's like a course. Do you fly someone in who does a uh, hands-on training? Do you invest in a virtual experience that's coaching and mentoring long-term? Do you invest in a DIY product that, you know, kind of gives you some templates and tips and tricks? Do you not invest at all? Uh, do you look for all the free options? My gosh, guys, like just understand how many choices we have that exist in front of us at our fingertips at all moments in time. How do you make a choice about what to do for professional development? Let's go further. Technology, technology integration. Every month, there's like a new software that bumps up for childcare. Like literally every month, there's a new software. Oh, we solve this problem. And then a new software comes up. We integrate with all the things. We are the solution, you know, for everything. We're the one-stop shop for this. We are the... Everyone, you know, has their, you know, grand, grand announcements that they make. And you're looking at all the options and thinking, well, which one should we choose? Which one should we integrate with? What you need to understand is what is the filter that you're using to make decisions? This is how you navigate the paradox of choice. Understanding the filter that you use to make decisions. What are your decision-making frameworks? for how you make choices. Is the first framework you work from a values-based framework? And then from there you move to a priority framework? And from there you work through a financial framework? Like what framework are you using? What frame are you using to make decisions? I was on a call once with an owner who was trying to make a decision about which if she should choose a particular software to automate uh, certain parts of uh, the administration that she needed, or if she should hire a person to do a bunch of those stuff and like a couple of other complex things. She wanted to make a decision. I said, well, what you're presenting to me is actually not a choice because we need more context to what you're trying to do here. So let's create a framework. Let's create a lens for how we're making this decision. So are we going to use our value system to make a decision here? She's like, yes. Okay, great. So my first question to you, when we look at your time and money value, do you believe you have more time than you have money? Meaning, do you believe that you would rather spend more of your time on something than you would on your money? Or would you rather put more money into a problem because your time is more precious to you? Which one is like, which one is more important for you in this moment? So she said, oh, I ha definitely have more money than I have time. My time is more important to me right now. I said, okay, great. So then the first lens that we're working from is which one of these choices is going to take the least amount of your time? That's a decision-making framework that this leader is doing, right? That I'm facilitating for her as she's trying to make this choice. So the first lens that she's working from is the lens of the framework that she's working from. I have more money than I have time. Great. So we have to see which one of these choices takes less of your time. Great. So now that we've seen that, okay, the choice that's going to take the least amount of time for you is the, I asked her, I said, which one do you think is going to take the least amount of time? She's like, well, you know, onboarding this new person is going to take hours and hours of my time. You know, purchasing a software is, you know, not going to take any of my time or very little of my time. And I said, sure, at face value, that seems like it. But now we go deeper, right? This is what we do on coaching calls. This is why people 
join schools of excellence, why they stay in our community for anywhere between three to five years, why people come to coaching calls and, you know, pay extra for Voxer access and why they bring me inside of for leadership days, because far too many leaders are making decisions at the surface level, at the top of the iceberg, and they are not digging deeper into the paradoxical nature of choice and asking themselves the right questions and using the right frameworks to make decisions that make sense for them, not for other people, not for the random owner on Facebook who you never met, who you have known nothing about, not asking her, but actually having conversation with mentorship and with community of people who know you and know how to ask the right questions, right? That's what leadership is. That's what mentorship is. Okay. So let's take this example all the way to end so you can really see what I did here. So she says she has that the software is going to take her less time. And I said, okay, so you want to like purchase this piece of software and you want to be able to integrate it where, you know, these parts of your administrative process are going to be automated. Now, who is going to integrate this inside of your system, right? Who's going to purchase the software? Who's going to learn how to use the software? Who's going to maintain the software? Who's going to make sure that it's working effectively? Um, and who's going to like, you know, someone's got to push the button still. There's still button clicking that has to be done. Who is doing all of that? She's like, well, I don't, I don't have anyone right now who would do that. I said, oh, okay. So that means it would be you. So right now the software option still involves a lot of your time. Okay, now let's go to the human being side. What would the human solve inside of your administrative process, right? So not just would she be the person that learns the the software, sets up the automation and manages it, right, maintains it, but she would also be taking these three critical items off your plate. Yes, yes. Okay. How much time do these other three items take from your week? Now, one of the things that we do inside of our program is we have people do quarterly time audits where they are auditing how much time they are spending in the business and on the business. So how many hours a week are they dedicating to maintenance, regular day-to-day stuff to keep the center open? And how much time are they dedicating to big picture strategic thinking inside of the business? And I said, these three things a regular day-to-day administrative stuff, which are essentially things that you eventually want to delegate. How many hours a week are you dedicating towards that? So when she looked at her time audit, it was about eight to 10 hours a week, okay? So let's take conservative numbers. Let's say it's eight hours, right? Not at the higher end. Let's take the eight hours. Eight hours a week is 32 hours a month. That's like a full-time employee. 32 hours a week is close to full-time. So you are spending over 30 hours a month doing activity that you can pay someone 50% of what you're being paid right now to do this. Now, does it cost a little bit more at the front end? Yes. What will it save you in the next 90 days to six months? And what will you be replacing with that time? Meaning once you make this choice and you hire this person and now their core metrics are right. So part of making that choice is aligning it with what was the filter for that choice? The filter for that choice was I have more money than I have time, which means that person is going to be directly tied to a KPI that decreases this person's time focusing on that activity. So her responsibility when she hires this person is you need to take away eight hours a week of my day-to-day time, which means in the next 90 days to six months, I should be working eight hours less inside of the business. 
And with those extra eight hours that I've created, this is what I want to be doing instead that builds the next level of legacy inside of the business. This is what we do on coaching calls. This is what mentorship and coaching should be doing with you when you are having conversation with your leaders. Like this is what it means to navigate the paradox of choice with discernment, with wisdom, and with emotional equilibrium, right? You're not coming in from a place of, well, I can't afford it, blah, 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 blah. No, stop. You actually can't afford not to. So that is just one lens of how we navigate the paradox of choice, right? We use decision frameworks of how we work through things. Another powerful decision framework I teach us inside of the Inner Circle in the Owner's HQ program is the priority matrix. You could go Google it also. It's called the Eisenhower matrix as well. It's a four quadrant, one, two, three, four, which really just highlights what is more important for you in this moment? What is the priority? And so we teach us inside of the program because we help our leaders understand when you're making choices, when you're making decisions and you filter it through the priority matrix, you can very quickly see what sits in quadrant one. What is the priority? Because the vast majority of the time, whatever sits in quadrant one is actually not an immediate need. That goes back to what I spoke about in the last episode, how part of the paradoxical nature of leadership is leaders have to balance immediate needs versus long-term needs. And so when you're using a decision-making framework like the priority matrix, you are filtering the choice and the decision that you need to make through, is this an immediate need or is this a long-term need? Is this a want or is this a need? I don't know. I can't answer that question for you over a podcast, right? This is where coaching and mentorship and community and collaboration really come into play because we're able to see your entire school from a very different lens. So let's go a little bit deeper into how to really continue to sit with this paradox of choice. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, there is no perfect choice. And I love the way Esther Perel really highlights choice, where she says, every choice carries grief for the one you didn't choose. Every choice carries grief for the choice you didn't choose. This is another huge reason why leaders get so paralyzed and stuck in making choices, why teachers get stuck in making choices for what to do with specific kids, why directors get stuck in making choices of what to do and how to respond to parents, to licensing, to, you know, social media takedown campaigns, like all of these things, why are they struggling? Because every choice that you make is going to carry grief for the choice that you didn't make because there's inherent trade-offs of the roads not taking. And so when you select an option over another, it really results in this feeling of loss or grief for the path that you didn't pursue. Because one is a loss of opportunity, right? When you choose one path, it means foregoing the other path. So there's potential gains, experiences, outcomes that are associated with the unchosen path. And so the sense of loss that's associated with the foregone opportunities leads to feelings of grief. This is why you have to learn how to sit in your own shit. You have to learn how to sit in discomfort. You have to learn how to sit in, oh my gosh, I am feeling grief over not making that choice. Yes, that's very normal. That doesn't mean that you made the wrong choice. It doesn't mean that you have to not do that and now go do that one because you're feeling grief that you didn't choose that one. It means that you have to learn, oh, I'm feeling the feeling of the loss of opportunity. I need to sit with that. I need to breathe through that. I need to work through that. Where else does the feeling of loss and grief come from with the feeling of choice? 
There's the uncertainty about the outcome. Decisions involve an element of uncertainty for all the people that are looking for certainty and control and perfectionism. Every decision that you make will have an element of uncertainty. There is an element of doubt about the consequences of the chosen path that you took. And so there's this component of grief of like, well, what will be the potential negative outcomes of the decision that I made? I don't know. There might be. So there's a component of grief that you're sitting with around, well, there's uncertainty. Yes, life has uncertainty. Leadership has uncertainty. That is part of making choices as a leader. This is why there's so much decision paralysis, because leaders are waiting for the perfect choice. They're waiting for the complete and total certainty that comes with making a certain decision. They're waiting for the perfect opportunity that has no other negative consequences. It doesn't exist. There is no perfect choice. There is the best in this moment. Regret. This is another component of navigating the paradox of choice and the grief that comes with making choices. Individuals, so many leaders feel the sense of regret after making a choice, especially if the outcome, like as you start to see the result, it didn't align with your expectations. It intensifies the feeling of grief like next level. So you embrace the uncertainty. You went and made that choice. And then the choice didn't live up to your expectation. And now you're living with regret. You're like, you see, I should have made the other choice. I should have done this. I should have done that. No. My Angelo says it best. When we know better, we do better. You did the best that you can with the information that was in front of you. But leaders have a hard time accepting this because it means accepting the inherent uncertainty that exists inside of our life. It has us reckon with the fact of our humanity that we cannot control every single outcome that's coming. And you do not get to manipulate or even see into the future of what's going to be. You can do the best that you can to forecast. And then there are certain elements that are just so beyond your control. And, and the grief becomes so crippling for leaders. I see this on our calls. It is so crippling for them when they feel like they made the wrong choice, that it takes them out of the game. It takes them out of the game. They want to shut down, close down, burn down, boom, I'm, I'm out. Why? Because you made one wrong choice. Why? Because you lost 50 grand in this, you know, thing that you made that that's it. That's taking you out of the game. That's it that it took to take you out of the game. Like this is part of navigating the paradox of choice. And lastly, high, high stake decisions. This is like, whew, this is my bread and butter when I'm working with our legacy clients, when I'm doing leadership days, when I'm coming in in person, or when I'm doing kind of premier client work and I'm working with a client one-on-one the weight of responsibility to make the right decision for high stake decisions causes debilitating anxiety and stress in leaders, like debilitating. It completely crushes their ability to and impedes their daily life. And when they, when the chosen path doesn't yield kind of these desired outcomes of the high stake decision, it creates so much anxiety that now the leader starts to approach choices from um, a place of hypervigilance and from a place of survival and from a place of uh, all the wrong places to make decisions from. All the wrong frameworks to make decisions from come from not learning how to sit in the grief and the discomfort of simple decisions that you made. So let's take some like low stake stuff, okay? 
This happened. This was like hilarious. So I was coaching an owner who was choosing a, uh, she was doing a professional development day for her staff. And she had delegated the choice of what restaurant to go to, to her director. So her director's making this choice. And, and, you know, she asked the teachers for like some input and stuff like that. And she ended up choosing this like Italian restaurant. And the owner, when she saw the choice, you know, she wanted, you know, to give her to her empowerment. So she didn't, you know, correct or anything. But the leader, the owner thought that it would be a much better idea to take him to this Thai place. It was this new place that just opened up. It had great reviews. And I don't know, it was like this whole big thing. Like they, they had like an outdoor area that had like these beautiful lights. And she really thought it would be great to go to this Thai place. Anyways go to the Italian place because that's the place that the director chose. And she gave the decision-making power to the director. And so you go to this Italian place and the service is like horrible that day. And the director did a ton of research on the, you know, on the service, on the private room that they booked and all this kind of stuff. But the service was like horrible that night. Um, They were a group of about 20 or 25 people and, you know, no one was getting served on time and there were mistakes in the order. They didn't have all the ingredients, uh, you know, all the options on the menu. It was just, it really kind of dampered a lot of the ambience and the night because the service wasn't great. When certain things like this happen, you have a choice on how you want to respond. Again, I'm giving such a simple example because I want you to recognize how learning how to practice this skill with simple things like a restaurant choice helps you build the stamina to be able to make higher stake decisions and not like completely fall apart with grief and regret and anxiety and overwhelm, okay? And like panic. So the owner, we get on a call and she is talking, this is like several months after the, after the professional, she's like planning the next one. And she is walking me through her project, like all the things that she's responsible for, for this upcoming professional development. And one of the things she wrote there was restaurant choice. I was like, why are you choosing the restaurant? Why isn't your director choosing the restaurant? Then she told me like this whole story that happened. That's how I found out this story. And so we're sitting on the call now and and she's like, so I'm going to choose the restaurant because of the story that happened. And I was like, let me ask you something. Do you really believe that when you will make the choice of the restaurant, you will be able to control all of the factors related to going to the restaurant, meaning you will be able to ensure that you will have the best service, the best food, the freshest this, there won't be any issues at all. You will be able to control every single outcome that you actually have no control over. You will be able to control this because you were the one that chose the restaurant. There's a certain like magical power or blessing that when you book the restaurant, those things wouldn't happen. So you believe that the reason that the restaurant didn't have good service that night was because you didn't make the choice. So a bunch of people on the call are kind of like, you know, laughing quietly. And the owner is sitting quietly. And she's kind of like, you know, sitting in this question that I presented to her. And I kind of gave her this piece because I, I didn't want her to rush her answer. I wanted her to really sit with that. And she's like, well, you know, when you present it that way, you know, that it sounds really egotistical. I'm like, I'm really glad you're coming to that conclusion. I'm really glad that you're coming to the realization that you're recognizing that you believe that if you make the call and you make the choice, it's going to be better. It's not. It's not going to be better if you made the choice. This is you not recognizing that there are inherent outcomes and and factors 
of decision-making that you're not in control over. And by you saying, well, I'm going to choose the restaurant this time, and that way there's not going to be any issues, or you sit down with the director and you review what happened, right? And you're like, okay, the restaurant that we went to last time, the service was really poor, right? And then the director might say, you know what? I'm really surprised at that because when I called to, and I looked for reviews and, you know, and I went there with my partner or whatever it is, they actually had great reviews and we actually had a great service experience. So I was so shocked at what happened here. That can happen, right? That can happen. So helping the director use the decision frameworks on, okay, these are the lenses that we use when we're choosing a restaurant for a professional development day. We want to make sure that these two things are non-negotiable, right? Great. She goes and does that. And, and even when you make those choices, there are still contributing factors that are beyond your control. And learning how to accept that and sit with that instead of going to the grief component, right, of like, you know, or the regret or the, well, we should have done it that way or this or that or the should have, would have, could have, you know, game that you're playing. It paralyzes you. It doesn't allow you to make choices. And it definitely doesn't allow you to delegate choices to your leadership team because you believe that you have some magical decision that you can make that no one else can make. Now, I'm not saying there are certain decisions that only you should be making inside of the business. Absolutely. There are certain decisions that the owner or the CEO should be calling the shots on. But please do not delude yourself that you need to be the one who picks the restaurant. And I'm using the restaurant as a metaphor for all of the other decisions that you think you have some magical touch on or whatever it is. And if you touch it, then, you know, there's not going to be any mistakes or there's not going to be any issues, there's not going to be any contributing factors that are beyond your control. So I want to leave you with this because this is, I hope that this episode, again, really got you to think about how are we going to navigate the paradox of control? How are we going to work and interplay with this? So like I was saying, the first thing is understand the lens that you're making decisions from. What are the values? What are you making decisions from? Use decision-making frameworks like the priority matrix. Use them and use them well and understand how every decision carries grief for the one that you didn't make and learn how to sit in the discomfort that sits with that. So your action step for today that I want to leave you with is what is a decision that you need to make in the next five to seven days? What is a decision that you need to make that you are feeling paralyzed by because there's so many different options? And I want you to think about how can I use values to make this decision? How can I use this decision-making framework to make the best decision in this moment? And once I decide that I'm going to choose option B or option C or whatever it is, how am I going to train myself to sit in the discomfort of whatever decision I end up making? How am I going to sit in the grief that I wasn't able to choose option A and option C? And I was choosing option B because that's the best possible choice that I have in front of me right now. This is next level leadership. This is the evolution of you. This is how we pioneer a new new era of leadership. This is how we model and raise a generation of leaders, of teachers, of administration, of kids who can make decisions and not get paralyzed by them, who can make values-based decisions, who can make priority-based decisions and understand that there is complexity, there is nuance to it, and it can feel paradoxical.
Thanks for joining me for this episode. Next week, we're going to dive into another paradox. I hope that you are subscribed to the show. If you have not subscribed, please subscribe to the show and please leave us a review. If you are, share it with a friend. This is a whole new conversation um, and I'm excited to continue to dive into it with you. Thanks for joining me. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.